Hi, and welcome to the Hand in Hand Show, where caregivers and survivors have honest discussions about stroke. We are a part of Stroke Focus Podcasts. This is Cam, your host. If you are a survivor, a caregiver, a researcher, a support group leader, or a local business helping the stroke and brain injury community, Stroke Focus is offering a number of exciting programs. Get details at the end of this podcast. Hello, everyone, and this is Cam, and welcome to the Hand in Hand Show, a part of Stroke Focus. Today, I'm here with two exciting people that I've met, Tessa and Nadia. We're going to talk about what they do. I met them through a Facebook post done by one of their clients, patients, and I went and did a treatment weekend with them, and I found this really exciting. So we want to tell you about that. So here we go. So hello, Tessa. Hello, Nadia. Hello. Yeah, we talked about that you all are my new best friends. (laughs) I want people to know why I say that. So I guess, Nadia, you are in Columbia, Missouri, and you traveled here to St. Louis one weekend, and Tessa came with you, and Tessa's from Indiana, and so, I mean, they're miles apart, but they went to school together. So, Nadia, do you want to start? Sure. So, Tessa and I are both certified in intervention called the Anat Benyel Method, People are now calling it neuro movement more commonly. There's been a name change recently, but it's it's the same thing. So a not Danielle method or ABM and also neuro movement. They're the same thing. And we trained for that over the course of three years in San Francisco, California, in that area. So that's where we met. And we've both had our own practices going in Missouri and in Indiana, respectively, for about two years now, Tessa, maybe three years? Um, We graduated basic in 2015, so three years. Yeah, three years. And so I've had my practice here in Columbia for three years, and at one point, a young man came to see me from St. Louis who had had a massive stroke when he was a teenager. And he had a very little intentional movement. He can, but he's fully aware. He blinks for yes and for no. And he really enjoyed the work and felt he was getting benefit from it, but it was too difficult for them to travel because St. Louis is two hours away from, from Columbia and it was too long for him to be in his chair and have the lessons and go back. So his family uh, really wanted me to come out to St. Louis. So I decided to go out there and give it a try, see how many um, students I could find to work with and see if I could build a practice there. And within a month, I had so many students or prospective students that I called up Tessa and said I needed someone to come down with me to help meet the demand. And that's how we got started. And that's how I met you, Cam, was from a Facebook post explaining what we were coming out there to do. Absolutely. So, Tessa, you went to you guys went to school for three years. What does that include? Yeah, what was our training like, Tessa? <laughs> well, um, 
We did our training on a format that has since changed, but the way we did it is we went to um, a city north of San Francisco called San Rafael for 10 days at a time. We'd have 10 days of training, or nine days anyway, 10 days of training about every two to three months. And the basic training was 10 segments. And then children's mastery was an an additional four segments, which took about another year. And then um, there are trainings beyond that that Nadia has completed, um, the vitality and anti-aging, high performers, which I'm still holding out for those. As far as what we learned, it was just a progression on the body, the bones, the system, our nervous system, and how these lessons, you know, we both Nadia and I had seen a lot of this work with my, I have two children that had had neuromovement lessons for different reasons. My son has cerebral palsy and my daughter had a stroke. And then Nadia um, is a nanny for a little boy that was also receiving lessons. And to watch a lesson, you really don't know what the practitioner is doing. It's really hard to gauge. <laughs> so it was like we, when we got out there, you know, we did movement lessons that are, you know, we would all be on the floor, like a group movement lesson with the training, you know, our trainers and Anat. So we got to experience that way, but we also got to have private lessons, which most of us had never had. And it was just this whole learning our own bodies so that we could help other people discover different ways to move theirs. Yeah. So you're right. It, this is not an explainable thing. It, it took us years <laughs> to explain it. As you can see, we're, we might still struggle. <laughs> we might still struggle. Because I can't even explain it to people when they saw me after the treatments. Mm-hmm. They were like, holy cow, I can't keep up with you. I was walking so well. That's wonderful. Uh, you know, yeah, it was. And smoothly. And, and my personal trainer was like, again, holy cow, Cam, you know, you can march. You are doing sidestepping. You did a grapevine. And the grapevine was my thing. I'm like, well, hmm, let's try a grapevine. <laughs> wow. And she was like shocked. Even just the standing and sitting exercise that we did she saw huge improvements and so they asked me what is it I said I don't know (laughs) (laughs) but it works (laughs) I don't know what it is but it works I want to say it's pressure points but they tell me it's not no it's an invasive (laughs) treatment of any kind that it's it's just touching I said that's it I like to think we like go, no, we don't literally go in your brain, but we highlight your bones so that your brain is like, oh, wow, I can like do this and hold myself up and move these different, right, different ways. Cause that's how during training it felt like to me, like I've got the access of the feeling of my whole skeleton so I could move differently and my back didn't hurt and I could, you know, walk better. But it's, it's really hard to just give it a little easy, Right. Description. So what neuro movement is using movement in a person's own body to help create new neural pathways, neural connections, uh, patterns of movement in the brain. So 
like Tessa said, we can't go in there and actually work with the brain directly because we're not neurosurgeons. But what you can do is work with the brain's norm, work to encourage the brain's normal developmental process of mapping, of learning new things. Because when you learn new things, what it really is is creating new neural connections. Everything that we do is the result of electrical impulses sent through our brain. So if you're talking about someone who's had a stroke specifically, during what happens in a stroke is that there's damage to a portion of the brain, and then that mapping and those connections are erased or damaged in some way. So what we do is we take the person back through the process of recreating those connections, of remaking the map that they that they lost. The first two to three years of life are just a huge amount of time spent creating that map, right? Because we, we have a body, but the our understanding of our body, our ability to know that my hand is here, my foot is there, when I walk, I use these different muscles, all of that is in the brain. And we're not born with that. We form it through our experiences of movement in early childhood. When that's lost due to brain injury or sometimes due to pain or, or um, decrease in movement due to aging, I mean, any number of reasons, we can start that process over again or maybe kind of go into where it left off and kind of keep pushing it forward and, and help their brain do more of what a brain does, which is to map and to make connections and to figure, to figure new things out. I do understand that to an extent because I know that when I had my stroke, my body wouldn't move. I didn't get it all back, but it was my brain making the connection that, you know, that needed to move. Well, However, and, I did it. and the, the interesting thing about it is that the brain and, and, and the connect, the, the job that the brain does, the connections that need to be formed for us to do something like walk across a room are so much more complex than, than what we can even conceptualize right now. So when someone's leg isn't moving, it's it's not about just the leg. I mean, part of it is the leg, but it's also about the pelvis, and it's about the ribs, and it's about the shoulders, and it's about the eyes. I mean, so many different things go into getting upright and then maintaining your balance and then keeping that balance so you don't fall over when you shift your weight. Mm-hmm. So that's why we have to get so much more complex, so much – you go in in a, such a – a greater level of detail than just, oh, here's this leg, you need to move it. Because, yeah, right, because when a baby is born, they don't just start by walking on that leg. There's so many other things that they have to learn lying on the floor before they're ready to stand up. So that's, yeah, we go through all of it. And in the treatments, you know, like when we left the first time, my husband said, What'd she do? And again, I was like, I don't know. <laughs> different. And Tessa had started with my feet mm-hmm. or a foot. I don't know that it was both the feet at the, you know, but, and then worked an arm another time. And then, you know, so it wasn't even like you started at one part of the body and just kind of moved up. There, there was a sequence, I guess, to this. And, there was a difference uh, after each treatment. So for me, I did six treatments that weekend, 
two on, you know, a Friday and two on a Saturday and two on a Sunday. And I will again go back in September and do six more. It was, I, I want to say this may not work for everybody, but I hope it would if they try it. It was just so different because, like you said, it affects the eyes. It affects the balance. It affects everything. And so I was walking like a normal person. I didn't have to stand there and think about where my foot was going, where my balance was. I, it, it was just that more na- even natural walk and I you know I think and my arm I have a right arm problem also and it didn't feel tight and and everything anymore it it was more again a normal feeling for what I felt maybe before the stroke not that I quite remember but it was it was closer to what my other arm felt like so and people who saw me after this just thought it was you know, wonderful. And, and my, I know that other people may not have it as fast as I did, but maybe they will. I don't know. I don't know how this works. Seriously. <laughs> I can only go by what they talk about guys. Uh, but you know, it is interesting. It's, I, I never heard of this. And I believe Tessa and I talked a little bit about this in India and with a, a gentleman. If I'm Israel. correct. Israel. Yeah. Israel. Uh, he, he figured out some stuff for himself. So this work, or the I should say the, the basis of this work, was developed by a physicist in Israel named Moshe Feldenkrais. And he was, like I said, a physicist, a scientist. And at one point he injured, I want to say his knee playing soccer. And this was a long time ago. What, the 50s? Yeah, the 50s. The 50s maybe or even the 40s. And the surgeries Mm -hmm. available at the time were uh, were not great. So the question that he asked himself first was that because he, he didn't have the use of this one muscle in this knee. And because he didn't have that use, you know, he could he couldn't he was in pain and he couldn't sit well and he couldn't he certainly couldn't walk and all of this stuff. And his question, because he he noticed how people adapt, right? That people born in different locations can that that based on our experiences, we learn to do different things. We learn to speak different languages. We learn to excel at different sports, uh, based a large part on what experiences that we have. So his question was that if there was an island somewhere where everyone was born without this one muscle in their knee and they were born that way, would they figure out a way, would their brains figure out a way to stand up and walk? So he he started with that question and he he looked a lot at the skeleton. We talk about the skeleton a lot in this work because we look at the most, what we call the most efficient way to move, which is or or to stand or to, to really be in any position which is um which is primarily using the muscles to position the skeleton in such a way that most of the force of the movement goes through the skeleton instead of having to be held by the muscles um that's not something you can do consciously though it, it, your brain has to your brain has to adjust has to adjust that um on its own kind of in background uh, so he, he looked at that with a kind of physicist point of view. He looked at the skeleton, he looked at the muscles, and he thought, should this be possible? And he decided that, yes, it was. And then over the course of, of I don't know how many years, he, he figured it out. 
And so he started a method called the Feldenkrais method. His last name, Moshe Feldenkrais. So he started the Feldenkrais method. And Anat was one of his students. She was one of his students later in his life. At the time she started learning from him, he traveled a lot for work, but he was older. So she would travel with him. And she would kind of be his assistant. They'd go different places. She would help him travel, and she would learn from him. So there is a method in the United States and all around the world called the Feldenkrais method, and that was what he created. When he passed away, Anat didn't think that the progression of his work should stop with his death. And she decided to continue exploring and continue learning and continue developing it with a, with a, with especially more of a focus on children, children with special needs, on how to work with, um, how to work with children and, and how to understand and put into words how the brain plays a role in all of this. Um, how, how to talk with people about how the brain is what's really behind these changes that people are seeing. And, and on figuring out, she, she's developed, or not developed, I should say, she's coined something called the nine essentials, which are the conditions that can exist to create the best learning opportunity for the brain. And that's what a lot of our work is based on. So the nine essentials, a few of them are variation, going slow, subtlety or being gentle, which is all stuff that you experience in your lesson. And and so she kind of took what he was doing and took it to the next level of practice and of understanding. And that's still another wow, because it's like, this is new. I mean, seriously, if you think about it, this is a new method of, of doing things. I mean, you know, we have all kinds of different stuff out there, acupuncture, you know, chiropractic, you know, our, our rehab, our rehab physicians, you know, all sorts of stuff. But when you look at it, this is like really new and people haven't heard about it. I had heard nothing if our friend Dotsy hadn't put it out there to us for me to see. Practitioners are out there, but they're far apart right now. But how would they find somebody if they were looking for somebody to do this that was relatively close to them or closer to them than than Missouri or Indiana? Um, There are two websites that list neuromovement practitioners. The Anat Vanyal Method, well, the neuromovement website, I know, has a system where you can find people. And then also the other website is that neuro can... Do you know the name of that one, Nadia? Yeah, I think it's Neural Horizons. Let me let me look it up real quick. So first, okay. your listeners could go to Anat's website. If you Google the Anat Danielle method, which Anat is A-N-A-T, and then Daniel is B-A-N-I-E-L, so like Daniel, but with a B. So if you Google the Anat Danielle method or if you Google neuro movement, neural like the brain and then movement, just as one word, you will find Anat's website. And on that website, there's there's a menu at the top that can lead you. I think it says find a practitioner. And then it and then if you scroll down, it says search by location and you can enter things like the state that you're in or the zip code and it will bring up practitioners listed in that area. Another place you can go to is Neuro Horizons, 
so that's N-E-U-R-O-H-O-R-I-Z-O-N. And that website lists practitioners. Here we go. I'm sorry. It's neuroconnect.world, a listing of practitioners who work with children by location. Well, children and adults. It's well, practitioners. That's what, that's what I, right. That's what I was going to say next. So children, to, to get the children's mastery, you have to have gone through the basics. So any practitioner who works with children has the, has the ability to also work with adults. Neither of those websites has a complete listing on their own, unfortunately. So you would have to check both of them to find if, if, if you couldn't find someone in your area on one, you could you could look at the other. Okay. And then there are also practitioners that travel. As long as, you know, the conditions are right and they can have an intensive or whatever, however it may work out. I know I do, I do a lot of travel and there's a lot, there are a lot of practitioners that travel to places, especially different countries and stuff or just places that don't have practitioners available. Yeah. So Nadia, you have a page. What is your page? My page is www candeomovement.com and the way that's spelled is C-A-N-D-E-O-M-O-V-E-M-E-N-T. So Candeo Movement, one word, dot com. Right now, my webpage primarily lists information relative to children. That's, that's been my primary focus until I, until I started traveling to St. Louis. But I'm going to update it soon with more information pertinent to adult stroke okay. survivors. But don't if if you visit that website and you don't see anything about about adult stroke survivors, don't worry because because this is also an intervention that can work well for them. And okay. maybe maybe even by the time this goes live, I'll have something. something <laughs> it will actually. If, if it's anything like me, it puts the pressure on and you I go know, and then I actually do it. <laughs> <laughs> so, Tessa, how about you? Do you have a page or a website? Um, I don't have one for myself, but I'm a part of a collective uh, that we're getting ready to open in Bloomington. So I'm listed there. It is Sophia Collective, or so it's spelled like Sophia. So S-O-P-H-I-A collective.org. Okay. And can we talk that you now have a public Facebook page? Yeah. So we set up that page to tell people specifically about the lessons that we're doing in the St. Louis area. So once a month, the first weekend of every month, Tessa and I will be coming to the St. Louis area and spending three days, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, giving lessons and also free consultations to people who are interested in learning more about neuro movement and what it could do for them. Uh, because the demand was so high, we're actually going to be bringing in a third practitioner each time. Tessa and I will always be there. The third practitioner will rotate through a few different practitioners around the Midwest and one, one from Virginia who are willing and able to travel every few months. Eventually, our long-term goal is to have a practitioner based in St. Louis. We're planning to be to have a continued presence in St. Louis, and for the amount of time and for the amount of lessons we're able to offer in this work, we call it lessons as opposed. You know, every every method has their own vocabulary. 
but we plan to have a continued presence and for the amount of time that we're there and the amount of lessons we give to only grow as time goes on. Absolutely. And I can't, I can't wait to have you all here full time. And, and you notice I say, we can't wait to have you all here. It was a little bit of a longer drive for me, but it's, it's totally worth it. I would like to just at least maybe starting the first of the year, be able to come every other week. And even if it was only for like two days, that way the people would have more than just the once a month option to, to see a practitioner. Yeah, I, and and I'm all for it. You got my phone. <laughs> Before we go, is there anything you'd like people to know about you all? Well, no? I think that, you know, we, we've been kind of dancing around what actually happens in the lesson. We've talked about the theory behind it, but maybe I'll give a brief description of what someone can expect if they walk into a room to experience a lesson. Okay. So, um, so it, the work is usually done on a low table, similar to a massage table, though for people who, for whatever reason, have trouble transitioning onto a table, we can work sitting in a chair. I've worked in people who, in their wheelchairs, you, you can work in pretty much any position, but we generally do it on the table. It's very gentle. Like you said, it's non-invasive. What the practitioner does is move different parts of your body, or I don't even know if that, it's to introduce movement into your body in a way that's so gentle and slow that you can almost think about it as being done with you instead of to you. This work doesn't hurt, and we say at the beginning that if you at any point feel uncomfortable or like you want to shift position or if you feel like you're in pain, to please let us know because what we're looking, what we're really looking for is for the brain to learn. And for the brain to be able to learn well, it can't be trying to manage discomfort or extra pain. I think that we, one of the really cool things about this work is that we meet the student exactly where they are and we build from there. We don't bring somebody in and expect them to do things that they can't do. And that way there's no fear associated with the lesson. We're not going to try to have somebody miraculously stand up if they're not ready or, you know, especially when we work with children, we meet them where they are and we, you know, try to give them the safest environment to learn from wherever it is. So yeah. whether that be like someone in a chair or, you know, just getting somewhat like how even how we worked, Cam, with working with you, getting your standing up smoother, how, you know, I just lowered the table and we just kind of went from there. So I think that's that's something that's really important. It's we can't come into a lesson and think like, you know, today I really want you to be able to stand on one leg if, because if your body isn't there and we're not you know, we're not at that point, then I just work at wherever you are. Well, and that's that's the other thing is, like Tessa said, we meet them where they are. And what that means is that there is no set routine or set of exercises for how a lesson goes. It's not like we say, okay, this person has a stroke and has hemiplegia, right, left, right side weakness. So we're going to do this and then we'll do this and then we'll do that for, for three times. And the next week, 
there's no, no recipe. There is no plan for a lesson because what it is is you 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 meet the person where they are, and through our training, we we can we can you know pick up someone's leg and we can feel is their pelvis participating, are their ribs moving, is is the shoulder stiff. Um, and then we just go from there. And the, that's so each lesson is created in real time as it's happening based on the back and forth between the student and the practitioner. And it's not necessarily a verbal back and forth, though that can play a part in it. We, you know, we might say, look over here. Can you feel this? But a lot of it is just a, a feeling back and forth. You know, we lift an arm and we feel what happens. And based on what we feel happens in the body, then we decide to do this next. And that's one thing that really makes this work stand apart, even from other brain-based, brain-based methods. It's completely based on the interaction between the practitioner and the student. There is no agenda. There is no do this and then this, or you should be doing that. It's where they are now and what they can learn to do next. And and that's what allows the brain to really take off and start making those connections. Yes. So I, I know that in my treatment, I had pelvis opening problems or something and it was tightness in her um her hip joints she had done so much work with her legs that her hamstring and her quads were so tight that there was no fall from either direction you know it was just straight up and down you know what I mean yeah so you know you worked with that and it not that I really felt so different but it it was different and so you found that you knew because of this treatment where some of the problems were that were causing me not necessarily pain, but unbalanced. I can be also like hit one wall and then, you know, on a bad day, I'll hit the other side of the wall and, and go back and forth like that. And I do make fun of it, but I know it's not funny. You know, it's it's just frustrating. And, and to be able to go through life and not have that, or even the week or two weeks or three weeks, you know, that's that's been great. So, yeah, so you opened that up, and I don't know what you did to my arm and my shoulder, but it works. Uh, so, anyway, that's, that's my little testimonial, guys, uh, how crazy it sounds. There's so much to go into with this work, and there's so much to talk about. I think it would be fantastic if we could come back. Because it's like I've got more. We could talk about each of the essentials and how you can use those in your daily life to help promote brain change. We could talk. I mean, there's we could talk about some of our some of our more personal stories about how we've seen this work change the people around us. And in my case, the boy I'm the boy that I'm a nanny for, a long term nanny, eight years with the family now in Tessa's case, her children. And then in the people that we've met along the way. Um, I've, yeah. I have I have worked on a lot of people post stroke, and that has been absolutely amazing because age doesn't matter as long as people want to learn and want to participate in the lessons. I've seen an 82 year old go from practically bed bound to walking and almost going home. So, you know, that's just absolutely <laughs> this stuff's amazing. This is an announcement of Stroke Focus. Stroke Focus has opened up its blog section to all its members. It is a professional platform, completely free and very easy to use. 
It provides instant visibility to know how many views your blog is receiving. At the same time, we are helping members put stories on our podcast. You can get a professional quality radio broadcast to share on Facebook, Twitter, or post on your site. For all our members with aphasia, our audio editors will help make your interview smooth. Do not need any professional equipment. No interview will be published before you review and approve it. There is no charge. Join us at HTTPS colon backslash backslash www.strokefocus.net or write to us at contact at strokefocus.net. Join the growing list of people sharing stories. What you share will make a difference.